0: This week, I want to talk about Sarah McLachlan's Afterglow record with a track called The Trainwreck. This definitely wasn't the most popular track on this album. I don't even think it was a single, in fact. But for some reason on this record, this is the one that uh, I always come back to. It's it's just got a great groove to it, and it's a track that's always uh, struck me right from the first listen. I guess the obvious appeal to me would be the bass playing going on. Uh, I looked through the credits. I really couldn't figure out exactly who was playing bass on this. I know that Tony Levin at one point played bass on this album, but it doesn't say the individual track listings, which, by the way, drives me nuts. I really wish it was easier to find out who played on what uh, in modern songs that get released. It's one of the things that really died along with album liner notes, and it drives me crazy that even, you know, we have the internet and all this world of information, and no one seems to be listing track by track who played on what. So I'm going to go ahead and assume that this was Tony Levin, although there were other bass players on this record it does have a little bit of his of his tone and his sound and it's it's a great bass line it's just super crafty Uh, the song has got a great groove to it the the drumming on it is really excellent Uh, it's kind of a combination you can hear that there's a bit of a drum machine happening with some uh, percussive kind of electronic sounds but then there's definitely a real drum kit being played over that and the combination of that uh, really makes for a great groove it's it's a very sultry kind of rhythm in this tune and and between that and the bass line i think it really flies The thing I like about the bass line is that uh, obviously it's in E, but he is playing at this high note, this high D, which kind of gives it a dominant 7 sound even though she's not really playing that on the piano. But adding that 7th of a D makes it a smoother transition when the next chord comes down into the D, so that he's already on the D, keeps the same high note even though he's changing the the bass note beneath it. Uh, It's clever and it's got a kind of a dancey feel to it and I just absolutely love it. And then beyond the bass line, also in a rhythmic kind of sense, you've got those really cool guitar lines going on, the kind of wah pedal, uh, slow chuck on the guitar is is really craftily done as well. This entire track, and really this album, in fact, is produced super well. Is every sound of everything sounds amazing. Uh, Sarah sounds amazing, as always. Her voice is always impeccable. But uh, particularly on this album, I know that a lot of people are into surfacing. They find that to be her best record. But for me, this album is always the one that stands out. Probably because it was the album that came out after I really started listening to uh, Sarah McLaughlin more closely. Uh, previously, I hadn't, you know, I was aware of her, obviously, and uh, always liked her voice, thought she was great. But then there was uh, one occasion where actually uh, she played a live event. It was a, an Apple event. This is back in a day when uh, Apple, after their keynotes, would bring on a superstar to kind of go up and, and perform a song or two after their September music event or iPod events. I don't know which one it was, but it was one of the very early ones Steve Jobs brought on uh, Sarah McLaughlin to sing, and she just came out with just her her on a piano and just absolutely blew the the walls off the place. From that point on, I started really following her more closely and listening to her her tracks more closely and just gained a whole new appreciation for her ability to play live and for her ability to control her voice and and obviously uh, her great writing. Sarah's voice has always been singular. It's, it's one of those things that is immediately recognizable. She's just such a talent. Her instrument is just astounding. She has complete control over it, has incredible vocal technique. Her live performances are just not to be missed. If you ever catch any kind of live recordings of her, you get a chance to see her live. Uh, you absolutely should. Uh, she's just really a brilliant singer. This record, in fact, was a, a bit of a departure for her as well. This was the first time she had written all of her tracks for the for the album on piano. Uh, prior to that, she was doing more of a guitar-based music, and uh, this is the first time she actually just sat down at the piano to write an entire album, and it shows. Uh, the, the whole album uh, has a, a dark kind of melancholy. You know, all of her music is sort of mellow, but in this case, it's it just has this kind of darker tone to it that I think the piano lent itself to. But the the record itself is not an acoustic record, if you will. It definitely has a a higher production quality to it, almost drawing closer to the realms of of, uh, dancier kind of music uh, with the grooves that are laying down behind the songs. And I think that has a lot to do with the the producer in this case. The producer, of course, is Pierre Marchand. He's been her producer pretty much for her entire career. Uh, Just a brilliant uh, guy. What a great collaborator. And I think he knows how to get the best possible sound out of her uh, voice and out of her music. And uh, he just really nailed it and, and knocked it out of the park on this whole album. But for some reason, there's something about Trainwreck that stands out to me over the rest of the tunes on the record. My favorite part of the song is definitely uh, at the end of the choruses and you know, the choruses are in D and the uh, verses are in E, but the, in order to get back to that E, kind of this chord progression is going uh, more or less D, G, B to A, and then at the end there she hits a C chord. And at C, order, and then back down to a B, and it resolves down to the B, and then it allows her to open back up to the E. It's really crafty writing. Uh, it was a really clever turnaround to get us back into the verse part, and I love that kind of writing. note too, in the, the second verse, uh, the way the production changes there is, is pretty interesting as well. They, they add in this kind of vocal buildup uh, with some background vocals. They're all done by Sarah. You can hear it's her voice, but it's kind of this layering of a high vocal going over her uh, main melody and it builds. And I, I really love that. A very common practice in production is when you've, you've got a first verse and a second verse that are very similar in terms of melody and instrumentation, you want to kind of change it up in the second verse, uh, do something different with it. Otherwise, why have the second? verse, right? It should go somewhere. You want to go in a different direction. And in many cases, you'll hear layering of keyboards or a different guitar part, or the drum uh, pattern will change. But in this case, he chose to go with some extra vocals. And I think that made a huge difference. And it it was an interesting choice. And the bridges in this song are kind of interesting as well. After that second chorus, rather than as, as she did in the first verse, she goes from that C to the B and then back up into the E. In this case, she kind of plays around with the, the basic, the, the C and the B chord, the C major, B minor, over and over again for a little while. And then a couple alternate bass notes being thrown in there as well. But she kind of just extends that and lengthens out that bridge a little bit before coming back into the final verse. The bass playing in the first bridge is really amazing as well. Uh, he goes down into some really low notes. You can hear it's at least a five-string bass. With definitely some deeper tones uh, that he, where he's playing up in the upper registers through a lot of the song. In this particular part, he goes down deep. And again, it lends itself to that bridge having a kind of a slowing down, longing kind of a feeling to it. It's almost a pause before jumping back in. Uh, you know, bridges have the ability to either take a song up or take a song back down. And in this case, it's definitely a bridge that comes down in feel. In the second pattern when we come back around the chorus again at the end of the song she ends with the bridge but interestingly here the pattern changes rather than doing the bridge between b and c she starts doing it between e and d and that's a neat little shift you hear it in the bass right away starts playing the main bass line that goes on in the verses which is an e but uh, it's over the the same vocal melody she's doing in the bridge uh, earlier section that was in b again a very cool interesting stylistic choice And of course, the song just kind of fades on that bridge and leaves you hanging, and I really love that choice. Again, a very interesting pattern it's not your typical songwriting pattern that you would basically end on the chorus you know end on that high note and finish the song uh, instead she kind of just lets it linger and there's some beautiful piano playing over it and just lets it go into your imagination with that groove happening uh, Continue, and you really start to hear the, the bit of the drum machine at that point playing along with the real drums and there's some improvisation going on in the drumming at the end there as well uh, and it just makes for a really cool longing ending it leaves you hanging and wanting a little bit more which is one of the things I really love about this tune. I really just enjoy this tune. I don't know why this one sticks out. I mean, I really like the entire album, but I remember just the first time I listened to this uh, particular album, this track stood out to me, and it still does. After all these years, uh, whenever I put this album on, uh, I just can't wait for this particular track to come in and and start playing. It's it's always been my favorite. But if you like this track, if you've never really gotten into Sarah McLachlan before, I definitely recommend getting into her entire catalog. She's just been absolutely amazing. Unfortunately, not as prolific recently as she had been uh, in years past, but her music just absolutely never fails to astound on me. And even her live recordings will simply blow you away. She just has uh, incredible control over her voice. Uh, the melodies uh, that she comes up with are just great. And I, I just can't recommend it enough. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the weekly listen. Subscribe to the show via Apple's iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. iTunes ratings are always helpful too. So I'd appreciate it if you'd share the show with your friends. Apple Music and Spotify links to today's track can be found in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash the weekly listen and become a patron. Your support will go a long way to helping me keep the show going. Speaking of support, I want to give a shout out to my executive producers on this episode, Alec and Kevin. Thank you. You helped make this show possible. If you want to learn more about how you can become an executive producer on the show, go to patreon.com slash the weekly listen. If you have any comments, suggestions, or you just want to chat with fellow listeners about the music, you can reach out on micro.blog at the weekly listen. I encourage everyone to join in on the conversation. Thanks, and we'll be back next week with more music.